Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Great is our Lord, amen? Great is our Lord. Truly, truly good to be in the house of the Lord today. Um, you may be seated just for a few minutes. There's some things I want to take care of before I go right into the Word of God. I want to, one, I want to touch on what Brother McNeil talked about on fasting. When we started to fast, I'd given the option of one meal, two meals, whichever one you felt you could do. And then uh, if you're on meds, I've asked you to not fast food because the meds could, uh, it affects your meds. And so I asked that you would fast technology, sweets, coffee, whatever it is that you like that will not affect your meds. That's what I ask you to do is things like that that will not interrupt the medicine that you're taking. I also want to remind you, January 30th is our uh, combined service with Crossroads. It'll be here uh, at uh, Grace Gospel Worship Center. Um, and um, we'll have a great time in the Lord. Amen. Also would like to say, uh, the Citizens Police uh, Advisory Committee and uh, the coffee club called me this week to apologize for last minute letting our people that sit on, uh, on that committee to think that we were supposed to decorate the um, multi-purpose room at the police department. They notified them on a Thursday evening, which then I got notified, and I immediately um, called the mayor no way we were that was right before we were decorating that Friday here for our Christmas banquet that Sunday was our Christmas banquet banquet then we tore down for the funeral for sister um, Barnett so I wanted to let you know that would be sister Ann McLean that sits on that and brother West who sits on that that they did call and apologize uh, for um, last minute making uh trying to find out if we could last minute drop what we were doing and get that place decorated told them that when we do that we start the first of december preparing for that and so they apologize this is one of the church to know um and so um again i want to touch on some things and 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 I, i'm doing this because our congregation is pretty mixed between a uh, elderly generation and um, and some of the research that I've done in what I'm about to speak on can affect people at 40 years old and so um, and before I address this sister Chloe this is her last Sunday with us she'll be going uh, to be with Brandon uh, and also you'll want to give her your love um, they may be up to visit, but right now she'll be leaving and going to be with Brandon and taking the kids with her. And so um, we do deeply, we will miss you very much. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you just for a moment before I start what I've, the Lord laid on my heart today about dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, because it can affect people as early as 40 years old 
and a lot of it is due to our foods that we eat, uh, the fast food, the processed stuff that we eat. And so uh, I don't know if any of you saw a post that Brother Thompson put out because Brother Tom Greg Thompson and Sister Paulette Thompson had an uncle that had Alzheimer's and they stayed with him and took care of him till he passed away. And now they take care of a, 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 a saint that used to attend this church before uh, they got a, uh, too not, I guess you would say unhealthy, not to be in the house of the Lord. But they still, they still uh, maintain the yard, take her grocery shop and things like that. I want to talk to you just for a second about dementia. That now that are starting into early stages of dementia slash Alzheimer's, and if they don't remember who you are, it's not, or if they just walk away when you're talking to them, it's not personal. That is a normal, a normal action or a process that happens in dementia and Alzheimer's. So I'm stating this because we are starting to experience that in our congregation. And uh, it's imperative that you know that that soul that is there that's going through this sickness is not disrespecting you or doing things because they just don't like you. It's just, it's a part of the sickness, okay? And so it's called the long goodbye. What it is is rapidly, a brain begins to rapidly shrink, and, the and that's how the doctors describe it. As the patient's brain slowly dies, they change physically and eventually forget who their loved ones are and become less of less themselves. And so uh, patients can, can eventually become bedridden, unable to move, and unable to eat or drink or talk to their loved ones. There will be people who will, who will scroll by. Listen, you have to understand, you cannot dis, uh, just put it to the side. If you notice things in, in family members, know this is real. A lot of times we make excuses for that because none of us want to accept that, but it, it's something real, and it's coming to all of us. If we don't change our eating habits, um, change the way we, uh, what we eat, it, it's very imperative. And it's very expensive to eat, to keep your brain fresh and right. But it's either that or the alternative. And, you know, um, I guess I could be there someday, okay? We want you to know that the caretaker, just as that person that's going through uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, that it, it's it's a very it's very hard for them because they they work extra hard to try to remember things, which exhausts them. Okay, the caretaker doesn't always quite understand why they don't remember, so we get frustrated. When we see things, and, they, and, and we're so used to them being strong, and so we don't know how to handle certain weaknesses that start to happen in their life, because we're so used to seeing them strong. 
Okay? So I, I, I'm saying all that because we need Jesus to help us. Amen? To deal with, with what is coming on to some of the saints in the church. And when the caregiver is constantly repeating things or doing things, it's not because they disrespect that loved one. It's because they're trying to make sure they remember to do these things, okay? And to, to protect their loved one. So I, I, I say that so that we as brothers and sisters will understand what the caregiver goes through too because just as we grieve and protect the one having Alzheimer's or dementia, we have to also remember the caregiver is struggling just as, just as well. And so I pray that it, this is okay with you. I'm not calling anybody out right yet, but I, I eventually we, we will be there. You, you'll be able to notice it in time. And, um, but I, 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 I say that because I love everybody. And I want everybody to know that, you know, it's a, right now this is a part of what we're dealing with in, the, you know, in life. Okay? all leadership I'm going to say it now so that everybody will know if I'm not here uh, the role of authority falls back to our bishop if mentally he ever becomes unstable then the next leader and the, the one in charge would be Reverend McNeil if he would not be here and I would not be here Reverend Johnson would be the next one in charge to make decisions okay I say that because anything could happen to me, and you never know. So I'm going to go ahead and make that statement again. If, as long as Bishop's mentally stable and sharp, he is first one in charge if I'm gone. If something seems unright, the next person in charge will be Reverend McNeil, and then it would flow down to Reverend Johnson. Amen? I know that's not the normal service that we would have, but bless God. And I thank God for his goodness and mercy. I would have been here our first Sunday service, but God had different plans. And I am appreciative to our bishop for uh, stepping in and preaching that Sunday. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the word of God. I don't know that if I've, I've, I've said everything, I think I said everything I need to say. Um, if there's any questions about the fast, please let me know and I will address them again. Um, but John 8, 1 through 11 is where I'm going to take my topic from today. Um, and then I will talk to you what a great testimony I have to give you for um, last Sunday's for me. Um, and I will tell you that as soon as we're done. John 8, 1 through 11. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? 
they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stopped, or he stooped down, and with his finger wrote in the, the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote in the, sand, in the ground. And they, were, and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one beginning at the, the eldest even unto the last and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath not man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. want to just pray over today's service father we come to you today god we believe that this is a new day a new year a new season god we ask for your spirit to move and intervene god we know that there are promises that have been given to us of prodigals and backsliders coming back to the kingdom of god lord we know we see the circumstances at hand we see the things that are going on around us and Father, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that your power, your spirit move and intervene in us, O oh God. That we be the disciples that you've called us to be, Lord God. That we be the witness that you have called us to be, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, and we pray divine healing over every name that Reverend McNeil called out before our congregation today, online and offline and in the house, O oh God. We pray for divine healing in Jesus' name. We, we pray for the supernatural outpouring of the Holy Ghost as well as signs and wonders, O oh God. The fivefold ministry operating in this church, O oh God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and amen, and amen, and amen. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you today about a new beginning. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost. I know it feels a little bit strange in here today. We know that God is in control, though. My eyes are not set on the earthly things. My eyes are set on the heavenly things. Amen. And, and that's where my mind has to be. My eyes and my mind have to be set on heavenly things. It was such a, a, a last minute after giving, we had called the bishop and senior first lady, Actually, I called the pastor down there. We wanted to give um, a Bible study to our neighbors, a uh, place prepared for you, so they'd understand repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and infilling of the Holy Ghost while we were in Myrtle Beach. Well, they couldn't find any. They didn't have any, which we've experienced that before, too, not having them in stock. And so uh, I knew Sister Johnson had ordered some when we ran out, and so I called Bishop. I said, look, I need you to air freight. I need you to get me some Bible studies down here. I need them here ASAP. I just need to, I feel it's urgent. We talked about prayer, I mean, uh, repentance and baptism, but I really need to give them scripture because the lady was ready to get baptized in the, in the swimming pool and I was ready to do it. And then God said, if you do it, how will you lead them? 
How will you pastor them? So we kept going back trying to get her connected to the church while this time at the very last minute on a uh, Saturday morning, one of them said, I'm going to church. I want to go to church. Will you take me? Well, we were like, very first service of the year. But then we started, God was like, you know, you said they need to be connected. I told you they need to be connected. That's what he said. He said, I told you they need to be connected to the church. They need to have a pastor. And I said, okay. So I called Bishop. Um, he covered for me here. Did a phenomenal job. And, and, and um, that, that morning we went to the store and I bought a jacket. I bought a shirt. And I bought a pair of dress slacks and a pair of dress shoes. Because I didn't have anything down there with me. Wasn't preparing to go to church. I was planning on coming back here. Bought my wife's shoes, bought her some clothes, and so I didn't buy a tie. It was like I'd already had a hundred and something dollars invested, over a hundred dollars invested in just that attire, and I just didn't feel enough thirty dollars I could go. And so I go, you know, it's very un, you know, I, I don't only Wednesday's the only time I get up here without a tie, right? And so I, I, we get home and we iron everything out and get everything situated. Well, then my other neighbor calls and says, I'm going, I want to go, I'm going with you. I understand you're going to church Sunday and I want to go and I want to be baptized and I'm taking my boyfriend with me. And I said, okay, well, that sounds good. So we, I call, I text the pastor. I said, I'm showing up with three. I said, I know of one that definitely wants to be baptized and we're trusting God that the other ones will follow suit. We get there and, um, uh, we have worship, and then the pastor gets up, and oh, what, he asked me to come up, and I'm like, no, I don't have, I don't want, it's, that's all right, you know, and he's like, come here, please. So I go up, and I leave a short testimony, and then I go back and sit down, and God, he preached a, a message in many different categories, uh, addressing a lot of things that you address at the beginning of the year of your you know, that you address the church, and um, anyway, at the very end, we were praying with, uh, Miss Ellie began to weep at the end of the service, just began to weep. Miss Linda was standing there with her hands raised up. Dean, who I'd met once, but he was standing there, he was kind of watching everything. So finally, uh, I, and the pastor already knew I had one, he said, so is Miss Linda still wanting to get baptized? And she said, I want to get baptized. Yes, I want to get baptized. So uh, she goes, but I want Pastor Allen. You know, I really want Pastor Allen. And I said, well, Pastor Davis is going to be your pastor. And this is the way God had ordained this. I said, and so I'm going with you. I'm going to go back there with you. You know, the lady took her in, got her changed. And I go back there. We're, I'm standing by the baptismal tank and and she just smiles. I could show you some pictures. I mean, she just elated. She's getting up there. Her grandmother was a Pentecostal. Her grandmother wanted to take her to church, and her mom and dad never let her go to church. So she always wanted to be baptized, but she never could get, she never understood it. And so she goes, and she goes down. And I mean, it was, um, it was amazing. I, her and I, I'd taken her through repentance again, and we prayed, and uh, as she went back in and gets into the baptismal tank, it was just, 
it was such a transformation. I, I can't explain. You know, we talk about baptism being buried in Christ Jesus, rising out as a new creature, washing the sins washed away. And it was amazing what, it, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it was just a different glow. When she come up out of that water, it was a totally different glow. And we took them to lunch. We all went to lunch and had lunch. And, of course, in our mind, we're going, it's not going to snow here. Been 60 degrees up here, and there's no way that snow could stick. And so it did. Uh, we attempted Monday to come home. My son Alan called and said, you better turn around and go home. If you don't have to come, you better stay home. So we went back and um, got back into place. And then uh, Tuesday we started. We were an hour and a half into the trip. And Barbara Herring and Dave McCulley uh, sent me a text going, 95 is a, is a parking lot. So we drove another hour and a half back to where we come from. <laughs> and then by the grace of God, Wednesday we got back on the road and we were able to come home. But I say all that to say, All it took was us communicating with people. I, I want you to know it, there's nothing wrong with your testimony. All you got to do is talk to people about the goodness of God. People are hungry. They're longing for what we have that we take for granted. We take this walk for granted. We have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We walk in victory we walk in power and people that we witness to have no understanding of being able to when you say God is able I know that you can't see it in the in the natural eye but in the spiritual eye God is able God's able to heal God's able to deliver God's able to give you a clear mind God's able to heal your mind God's able to restore all the broken heart that you have today God is able to deliver you from drugs alcohol cigarettes everything that you need deliverance from the Lord is able so I, I want to preach to you today a new beginning I want to preach to three different types of people today the first are those who can say yes I have done everything I could this past year for God I've lived for God the best I could and the second person I want to talk to is the second are those that can say that there are some areas that I did need and or I did well and then there are some areas in my walk with God that did not go so well the third one is are those that did not do well at all in their walk with God and to these groups I want to direct my comments to I feel that the Word of God has some great news for those all three for all three of those groups and there is hope for us today amen no matter where we are in our walk with God I believe God has a plan for this church I am not looking at the seats today I'm not looking at those that have walked away from the church I'm not looking at those that for whatever reason have left and went their own way I'm looking at what God has in store on the horizon that's what I'm looking at there are souls that God wants to bring back to the house of God. There are souls waiting for you and I to step into that very atmosphere that Reverend McNeil was talking about this morning. He's, he's waiting for us to get a, a made-up mind that says, I, 
you know what I can do without a meal today I can do without two meals today or I can I can do without television tonight and today I can do without my cell phone today I read an article that it talks about people and I'm not going to say all generations but it talks about people that the phone has become something that we look at almost every five seconds we are immediately picking it up and tapping it checking our, uh, uh, our messages, we check out Facebook, we check out uh, our emails, we are, every five seconds, someone is picking up their phone and looking at it, we, and if we picked up the word of God, what if every five seconds we picked up the word of God, what if every five seconds we would say, God, help me, God, heal my family. God, deliver my family. Every five seconds, we were sending up a prayer. Every five seconds, we were saying, God, deliver my husband. In every five seconds, we said, God, give me a husband that will love you, love me like you love the church. What if we said, God, give me a woman who will love me like you love the church. God, give me a friend, just a friend that I can trust like I can trust you. God, give me a soul to teach a Bible study to. Every five seconds. No doubt, no doubt there are questions in all of our minds about how this new year is going to end for us. For me, I don't know what it is for you, but for me, Bishop knows because I've talked to him probably I don't know how many times I've talked to him about small groups, starting small groups, you know, because at some point, do I believe that we're going to have difficulty as children of God and as churches to come together in a, a combined area and worship and, and teach the Word of God? I do believe at some point in our time uh, future that we are going to have issues of coming together you're not going to be able to have, I, I don't know if we'll be able to have the word. That's why the Bible says, hide the word. Hide it in your heart. Know the word of God. Study the word of God to show thyself approved. Amen. I believe there's a day coming that God's children are going to have to stand up. I, I don't know who I was talking. Oh, I was talking to, I won't call him out, but I was talking to someone yesterday. We were here trying to get the heat on in the house of God so that you would be in a comfortable, warm place and and, 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 you know, I, I, we were talking about the children of Israel, how the children of Israel, you know, they, they wanted freed from the slavery. They wanted freed from the things of bondage. They wanted freed from the things that they were being held at. But yet then when they got, had to go through some trouble, when they had to go through some strife, uh, when they had to struggle, they got to a place where they said, they, I wish to God. I was back in bondage. I wish to God that I was back under the slavery of that man, Pharaoh. I wish that I could go back there because at least I got to eat. Now, anytime a child of God wants to go back to slavery, being enslaved by the things of Pharaoh, where he whooped them, he told them when to go to bed, told them how long they would work, he took straw away from them, so that he did everything to make their life miserable, which is what Satan does. I don't know what this new year holds, but what I do know is Jesus is still in control. 
Jesus has not changed. Jesus is still in the healing business. Jesus is still in the soul winning business. Jesus is still in us being the disciples of Christ Jesus. But in my mind, I'm sure, as you're in your mind, it's what will happen in this new year. Will we have another COVID shutdown? Will there be a stock market crash? Will the United States go to war? Will I get COVID again? Will I be a soul winner this year? Will I be a disciple maker this year? Will our shores have another oil spill that destroys the, the life of, sea, of the sea life? Will there be another terrorist attack? What lies in store for me personally? And will this church be, will this be the year that the Lord returns for the church? I'm talking to you this morning about a new beginning. More than ever, if you know, if you remember my message two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago now, it was on um, It was on the time. My scripture, I took the scripture. Say it one more time. The acceptable time is now. Thank you. That was my message. Two weeks ago, that was telling, God was telling us, now is the time for salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week. Now is the time to be a soul winner. Now is the time to see souls, to teach Bible studies. There's going to be a day, I believe, I believe in my heart, there's going to be a day that the body of Christ is going to have to do things uh, uh, undetected. I think it's going to have to be and, and be very discreet when we witness to people. I believe we're going to have to be very cautious and pray and seek the face of God so that God says, this is the one I want you to witness to right now. This is the one I've prepared. I've prepared the way. I, I believe there's a harvest coming. I believe that we are going to be sowed seed sowers. Amen. I believe that in Jesus' name. And at the beginning of the year, perhaps more than any other time of the year, we become reflective and look back over the year of our lives and over our lives. We think about things that went right and things that went wrong. We think about victories. We think about our defeats. We think about mistakes. We think about things that we've done, things that we wish we could redo. We can't go back and fix As a Christian, this is a time that we can evaluate our walk with God. Did I give my best to God this past year? Did I pray like I should have? Did I, did, did I read the word of God like I should have? Did I attend church and was I faithful to God as I should have been? Was God number one in my life? You know, there's so many resolutions that people make, and I will spend more time with my children. I will finish those odd jobs around the house. I will become more productive on my job. I will become more involved in the church, and I will lose weight and exercise more. I will become more faithful in my daily devotions. Most people make all those resolutions, and not long they begin to lose them. Everybody wants to be a better child of God. 
We all want to be a better me, not, um, you know, you, right? I, I, I want to be a better me. I want to be smarter. I want to be wiser. I want to be greater in the kingdom of God than what I was last year or maybe last month. I want to be more faithful at seeking the face of God. I want to be more faithful at reading the word of God. I want to be more faithful at witnessing. Maybe, maybe we want to, I, I always reflect and find out what it was that I did so I can learn from my mistakes. That's where wisdom comes. That's why when you talk to someone in the church that's been through some things, they're able to go, you know, I wouldn't do that. Well, why wouldn't you? Because I did that and it didn't go well. Right? That's why a lot of times the older folks talk to the younger folks so that they don't have to go through the things that you went through. That's why they, they share wisdom. The Bible talks about if you take the wisdom that the old man that went through the stuff or old woman that went through the stuff that, that learned wisdom because he had to go through that way and you take his wisdom and learn from the wisdom given to you, you're much wiser than the one that had to go through it. A new beginning. I'm not looking for you to run the aisles and shout. This may be a slow message, but I'm here to tell you, we're, oh, look, I'm looking for a new beginning. Amen. I wonder, do you have hope in your life for 2022? Do you have hope in 2022? You know, at one time, I thought everything that's going on here is just going on at Grace Gospel. You know? Things that pastor sees. Things that people do that pastor says, I wouldn't do that, but they do it anyway. But now, I've been around quite a few, even the one in Myrtle Beach, the pastor said some things, and I'm going, man, we're not the only church going through. This is a sifting time. This is a time that the church, when it all gets done being sifted, you will know who the church really is. You're going to know who the saints of God are. You're going to know who the people are that are going to be a part of being soul winners, who are going to be a part of the kingdom, the last harvest, the great harvest in the kingdom of God. In 2022, I believe that my life is going to be greater than it was in 2021. I believe that my ability to win souls is going to be greater in 2022 than it was in 2021. I believe my witness is going to be greater in 2022 than it was in 2021. Do you feel the possibility and the hope that that's the way your 22 will be? Your 2022 will be because if you don't, you have no hope to go into 2022. You have no, you have nothing to hold on to. You're just going to go and whatever happens, happens. Or do you feel trapped? Sometimes we feel trapped. Is today the same as yesterday? I guess I'll wake up and everything that went on yesterday, I'll do it again today. Is this month the same as last month? Just what happened last month, I'll be short money because I'm not a good steward of my money. I'll just be short again. Is this year going to be the same as what last year was? 
Do you feel trapped in the routine of the, the monotony of life? Today is the first day of the rest of your life. There are folks sitting here online that need the Holy Ghost. They need to repent of things that they've done in their past. They need to repent of them and they need to put them under God's blood. They need to get their life where it needs to be because this year coming, I believe, is going to be, we're going to need Jesus more than we've ever needed him before. Amen. If there ever was a time to not turn your back on God, this is the time not to turn your back on God. This is the year to stay faithful to God. This is the year to walk with Jesus faithfully. We're looking at that, you know, here, I mean, COVID is going crazy around here. One of our large churches just got shut down again from COVID right before the new year. Now, they don't require masks. They don't require temperatures. They don't do anything. Now, I know it's a pain in the neck. I know it is uh, annoying to register online, but you have to answer questions. This helps us understand where you've been, if you've been around people, taking your temperature. Yes, it's an annoying thing to have to go scan, and they write your temperature down. But what that does is that tells us who's been here, what, what, you, what your temperature is when you get here, so that we know for sure how well we are protecting one another. And my, my job... As much as annoying it is for you all that have to take care of that out there, it's my job to make sure that the body stays safe as we can. So many times we feel trapped in yesterday. We feel trapped in the things of yesterday. Today is a new beginning, though. I, I want you to know that no matter what the future may hold for you, the, the same God that was with you and brought you through 2021 is going to bring you through 2022 in Jesus name his ear is not deaf that he cannot hear your cry his arm is not too short that he can't reach you at, at that point in the point of your need his, his eye has not gone blind that he cannot see you but his eye is on the sparrow and I know that he is watching over you all and me in Jesus name his power has not diminished that he cannot mend your broken life his healing virtue has not run dry that he cannot heal your body his peace has not vanished that he cannot still bring you through the storms of life I've come to tell somebody he is still a friend that sticks closer than a brother in Jesus name the name of the Lord is still a strong tower that is that the righteous can run into the Lord is not slack concerning his promises Psalms 122, the very first verse said, is, I am glad. When, I went, when they said, go into the house of the Lord. I'm glad to go into the house of the Lord every Sunday. I'm glad I can come to the house of the Lord and worship Him. I'm glad that I can be amongst people with the same faith, the same attitude, that we're going to see great things in this new year. The problem is, and I'm just as guilty, so I can talk about myself, and you can, you can surmise whether you're like me or not. The problem is, sometimes I look at things, and because I haven't spent enough time in prayer, I can't see the spiritual side of what's going on. So in the natural state, I just look at it and go, 
Man, I just don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they'll hear what God is trying to say to them. I don't know if they're going to return. Right? That's what the natural, the physical, the carnal, the old flesh person says. But what I know in the Holy Ghost, what I know in the Holy Ghost is that those that seek the face of God, those that call on the name of the Lord, I believe the Bible. The Bible says for that, that to train up a child in the way that they should go and they'll, they'll return at some point. What I have to hold on to is God's word that our families are going to return that have been raised in the kingdom of God. Our children are going to return. If we will stay faithful to God, we've got to keep praying. We've got to keep seeking the face of God. I don't know just when this tragic story of our scripture text had, had its actual beginning. Months before, perhaps something had crept into the, the relationship of the Jewish husband and wife, and somehow the lines of communication had been shut down, and the, the confidence that was once between this couple began to dwindle away. And, and it could have been months afterwards that this woman committed this awful sin, or maybe it was just a few months of unbridled lustful passion that ended in the act of adultery some bible scholars suggest that this happened during the time of the feast of tabernacles when it may be that their dwelling in booths and their fasting feastings and joy might have provided an occasion for sin whatever the case was this woman now finds herself in the middle of something that she can't escape from. The scribes and the Pharisees bang down the door and barge in the house where she was in the middle of the act of adultery, the Bible says. They want to stone her. My concern is, what were they doing? Did they watch him go into the house? They saw the act about to unfold. I'm just surmising. We're supposed to be our brother's keeper. Did they see the decline? Did they see anything that was happening and they waited so they could, so they could catch her? Instead of going, wait a minute, ma'am, let me get my wife. You can just come on over here. Let's, let's just let's do some praying. You all haven't caught up to me yet. They wanted to catch her. They, did, they wanted to be the judge. They wanted to be the accuser. And that's exactly what happens in the house of God sometimes. We know better. We see the things that are about to unravel. And yet we sit there, mouth shut, and we let them walk into the mess. And we never warn them. And they walk in and sin happens. And then we bring them in so they can be accused of the accuser or by the accusers. I'm just asking. Right? Could I have, could I have stopped it? Could I have said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me get that dude. Come here. You ain't fooling with her. Someone could have stopped one of them. Well, they had to be, they had to be sitting there. Watch, watch. She gonna go in that house. Uh huh. She she getting ready to go in that house. Let's just wait till they get in there. 
I don't know if they didn't have watches back then, but they were looking up at the sun. Right? They had to look at the sun and see what, uh, it's been about five minutes. Give them about ten minutes, then we're going to catch them. Right in that. James and John, well, it wasn't James and John, but it was the Pharisees, so whatever their names were. Whatever you want to call them, Pharisees. Them Pharisees, they stand there, right? Now, we're getting ready to bark down there. We're going to catch them. We're going to take them to Jesus because we're going we're gonna to prove him wrong. We're going we're gonna to get everybody. We're getting everybody. Right? I worked with a guy that told me, he said, if I go down, everybody go down. I told him, you can't take me down. Huh? Not when I walk with Jesus. Amen. When God's people walk with Jesus, you can't take them down. It might look like they're going to take you down, but when you walk on the Word, walk in the Word and in the Spirit, nobody can take you down. Nobody. So in my mind, I'm going, man, they waited on this. And now they want to stone her. Matter of fact, they wanted to stone her right there in the act. But then they said, uh, let's bring her to Jesus and see what he says. This they did hoping to entrap Jesus. Their chest was heaving with excitement as they began to drag this woman down the street to where Jesus was. They pushed her down time and time again along the way until her hands and her knees were scraped and bloody. As they went, shades were drawn back ever so slightly and eyes peered out from darkened rooms and people said, well, she certainly is not the woman we thought she was. When she had no strength to go on, they would drag her along until she got to her feet again. Finally, when she was bloody, a bloody mess, they knew her at the, they, they threw her to Jesus' feet. They said, Master, the law says she must die. Moses commands that she be stoned. But what do you say, Jesus? Here they called him master, but just the day before they called him deceiver. This they said, tempting him that they might find an occasion to accuse him. This account sounds so familiar to most of all of us here today. There are folks that have left and were accusers of the things in the church when nothing was going on. They are accusers of the brothers and the sisters of the house of God, but yet nothing was actually going on. They just were trying to find a reason to find fault. The fetters of our iniquity had us all packaged up, ready to be sent to hell. The devil brought us bloodied and broken and, par and paraded us before Jesus and said, He's got sin in his life. She has sin in her life. They deserve to die. They deserve to pay the penalty of sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's the story of our life. And that's the condition that we, are found, that we find ourselves in. Thrown at the feet of Jesus. Thrown at his feet. The devil is the accuser. The devil is an accuser. He wants you to be, he wants to tell you you're a sinner. You just looked at somebody hard. You just said something mean. 
you're an alcoholic, you're a drug addict, you're, a, you're, you're addicted to cigarettes, you're involved in immoral relationships, you're hooked up, you're hooked on pornography, our minds bound by worldly lust, living our own way and no place for God in our life, having lived for God for a time, but now we've fallen and are away from him. He doesn't offer a word, but simply says, you're in sin, which affects our worship which affects whether I can raise my hands when I come into the house because our conscience knows when I've sinned and it condemns me through Satan working on my conscience because I haven't got my life right with God. I looked at something I shouldn't have looked at. I spoke something I shouldn't have spoke. I, 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 I partook of something I shouldn't have partaken of. I, I'm an alcoholic, but yet I'm not really an alcoholic. I, I just like the flavor. I like the taste. I'm not, a, I'm not addicted to cigarettes. I can give cigarettes up anytime I want. I'm not addicted to you know, the, the pharmaceutical drugs. I can give it up anytime I want, but I just, I'm taking it because it feels like it helps the pain or, right? But then Satan says, it's okay. Satan, Satan numbs the mind, the conscience, so that the conscience doesn't make, you know, you don't, there's no condemnation anymore. And then when the word comes forth, there's still no condemnation. It doesn't affect the heart. It doesn't affect the mind because the word of God is being preached and, and, and calling people to repentance, calling people to be a disciple maker, calling people to wake up that we're in the last days, whether that's 10 years, five years, one year, three months, whatever that is. I don't know how long it would take to build the temple, uh, the, the temple in Jerusalem. I don't know. We were able to transform the basement and that sidewalk in three months. We were able to, to redo the whole basement. And then in two weeks, redo another side. So, and that was with just four or five people. So I'm telling you, if you had a team, you could probably rebuild the mount in a month or two. You see, this woman with the curse of death and the shame of sin on her, thinking him, uh, thinking, as she looks, they're picking up stones because they want to hit her. They want to stone her. The Pharisees continue to pressure Jesus to answer them. They have stones in their hands ready to throw. But Jesus acts like he doesn't even hear them and continues to write in the sand. Silence fills the air as, fi as finally Jesus begins to speak. He says, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees were so thunderstruck by the words of Jesus that one by one, conviction began to feel their hearts. Conviction began to deal with their minds. You could hear the dull thud of stones as they began to drop on the ground and as they began to walk away. The guilty woman opens her eyes and all she can see is the ground covered with stones. And Jesus now asks her this question. Where are your accusers? And she responds, I have none. They all are gone. And Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. That's the love of Jesus. 
That's what gives us a new beginning. That's what allows us every day to have a new beginning in Christ Jesus. If we will go to him and repent and ask him for our forgiveness of our sins, that's where the blood comes in, the covering of the blood, the remission of sins. Amen. It is so imperative that we know to repent every time something comes into our life that it become, that is sin. You know, a lot of times I don't know what's happening and, and if I do something uh, that is sinful. Excuse me, but I'm burning up up here. Uh, you know, and, and you know, I, I really, you know, you have to forgive me, but I, I, I believe God's word. His word said, your ways are not my ways, as Jesus is saying. And my ways are not yours. So in my mind, I repent regularly, faithfully, because a lot of things that I might say can't be sin, shouldn't be sin, is not sin, could be sin, because I'm not Jesus. So I constantly am going, Lord, forgive me, because I would not want to have not repented and get before him on the day of judgment and him have the book of life out there and go, man, dude, everything was good until that one day. That one thing, one thing could keep me from getting into the kingdom of God. What Jesus was saying is, and what he was saying was, you thought this was the end of your life, but it's not. You thought that this was the last day of your life, and it's not. You thought that it was over, but it's not. Today is a new beginning. Today is a new beginning. Amen. I'm thankful. I'm grateful for God giving me another opportunity to walk with him. I'm thankful that I get another opportunity just to call out the name of Jesus. I'm thankful that I get the opportunity to be amongst God's people to lift my hands and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm thankful that I get to walk in to a house of faith, a house of prayer, a place where people believe that God is able to do abundantly more than we can ever fathom in our mind that he can do. I'm grateful that we can come to a place that we believe that laying hands on the sick and they will recover. I'm thankful that we believe that God is a deliverer of those that are on drugs and alcohol. I'm preaching about a new beginning. There we lay at the feet of Jesus. The accuser of the brethren had cruelly thrown us there, being the devil, who says you must die because of your sin. I've already taken care of the penalty of the transgression, of her transgression. It's true, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is saying, I paid the price at Calvary when I was crucified and shed my blood. The song says, what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of I feel the Holy Ghost I don't remember anymore Bishop you have to carry on <laughs> Yeah.
the blood of Jesus. Such a true song. Such a true song. Amen. Never has there been a song that affects my life uh, as that song affects my life. Romans 8, 31 through 33 says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? 32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with him also freely give us all things? Or him also give us all things. Who shall lay anything to charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. See, the Bible's full of examples of people who didn't deserve a new beginning, but they were given new beginnings. I'd like to ask the church to stand. Huh? I, I, I want to bring to your attention, you know, Rahab was a harlot. She was a woman of the night. Night after night, she would be involved in immoral sin, and I don't know exactly how or why she ended up in this situation, but her, here she was. So long for a better way of life. She longed for a better way of life, and but all, what, all was hopeless for her at that time. And then God chose her and gave her a new beginning. I'm talking about a new beginning. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was one of the most hated men in his day. He cheated people. He robbed the people of their substance. He had everything he could ever want, but still... He was an empty man and in need of change in his life. God gave him a new beginning. Don't remember me as, as I was because Jesus visited my house and gave me a new beginning. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. When things got tough, Peter folded under the pressure of the crucifixion. He denied his master three times and cursed him. He probably felt like it was all over. He could never serve God again, but God gave him a new beginning. And Peter took advantage of that new beginning. I encourage you that are under the sound of my voice to take a chance on a new beginning with Christ Jesus this year. It's going to be the best decision you've ever made. I'm preaching about a new beginning. You see, Peter... Peter, Peter stood at, on the day of Pentecost and he delivered one of the most powerful convicting messages ever that he, could con, that he could deliver. And then after that, they wanted to know what is it that we must do to be saved. And he broke it down to them that you must, Peter said to them to repent, repent of their sin. And then he told them to be baptized in the lovely name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's a promise to us. Saul was a man who sat at the feet of uh, Gamali. He was a learned man. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He turned his knowledge into persecution of the Jews. He did everything in his power to wipe out the church, but there was still an emptiness in his life. He tried to fill it with more persecution and being more vile, but there was still something missing and God gave Saul a new beginning. He changed his name to Paul. And Paul became, became one of the greatest apostles in the scripture. So many times we find ourselves saying, if only I could do it over again. If only I could change this thing about my life that happened in my past. There's no need to fool yourself. You can never go back. I can't go back. 
If I could go back and read things, I would not be in that house where I was molested and raped. Which if I could go back and have done that, then there would be no drugs because the drugs were what numbed what happened in that house. The alcohol was just another numbing. And because of what happened in that house at 10 years old, kept following my life. If I could have went back and redone that, I would. But God took that experience for whatever purpose for his kingdom to do his will. So all I can do is talk about what happened and how he brought a new beginning into this old guy and changed my way of thinking, changed my way of acting, changed the way of my talking, changed the way I think, the way I look, the way I talk to people, the way I, the way, he gave me compassion that I never once had. Forgiveness in my spirit to other people that I never had. I tell you, God can give you a new beginning. Many of us run from the calling of God on our lives. I don't know why we run because there's never been a greater calling than you could have in your life than the one that God would have on you. No matter what it is in the church, no matter whether it's a, being at the door, or an usher, whatever, being in the sound booth, being, being uh, cleaning up or you know, holding the door or, or running a vacuum or disinfecting the pews or disinfecting uh, the bathrooms, whatever the ministry is that God has called you to be, no greater new beginning has there ever been in your life to be a servant in the kingdom of God. If you're not, if you have, maybe you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, maybe it's been a while since you spoke in tongues, maybe you, maybe you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is a, here for you. The one young lady that we took to church had been molested over and over by her dad. Because God allowed me to share what happened to me is what caused that to open. I was able to say that you can't, you can't fix this. I thought I could fix it. That's why I eat, I use drugs, alcohol unfaithful, right? But when the Holy Ghost came in, the Holy Ghost came in and started doing and healing, repairing, restoring, bringing me to a place where I could now deal with what actually happened to me at 10 years old, to be able to talk to someone. I don't know why I started out. It's just like I started out how God delivered me, and then it, and then it went to the drugs, and then it was like, Tell her about why the drugs actually happened. I said I was molested at the age of 10. As soon as I hit that button, tears began to stream down her face. She said, I need what you and your wife have. Crying uncontrollably, I need what you and your wife have. I said, but you can have what me and my wife have. It can be given to you right here. It can be given to you in the church. But you've got to go to a church that preaches truth, that preaches that the Holy Ghost operates. 
the plan of salvation. Not everybody preaches the same plan of salvation. You know, they all, because uh, when we got into the Bible study, she goes, I won't call out the denomination that she was raised under, but it was a denomination that said it was for the day of Pentecost, and it was only for that day. And I said, okay, well, let's just read a little bit more. When it gets to Acts 19, that's 24 years later. I said, I, I said, what you need to do is you need to do some study. You need to find out how many years. I can tell you, I can tell you, but you need to do it for yourself. So you don't, so you know for yourself that 19, Acts 19 is 24 years after Pentecost that the Holy Ghost was poured out. When you realize that if it, when a man or woman tells you that that was only for the day of Pentecost and you find out 24 years later the Holy Ghost is being poured out uh, again. And the scripture told us that it was for your generation and other generations to come and on and on. I've come to tell you, you can have that same experience that we've had because we had the same experience that happened on the day of Pentecost and on the, in Acts 19. I'm telling you right now, I told her, I said, I'm not trying to make light of your of what happened to you. It is brutal. It is not right. It is unfair. And it's terrible. But what I am telling you is Jesus can heal you and you'll have forgiveness and of course she was like I'll never forgive him I said through the Holy Ghost I said the same thing my family wanted to take the guy that did it the guy that did it to me wanted us to prosecute because there's no limitation no statute of limitation when you're molested you can go back at 10 and get that person God brought God brought a spirit of forgiveness into my heart that only God could do and here's what I said. I said, if I've forgiven them, if they ask the Lord for forgiveness, he'll forgive them. So what am I doing? I'm passing judgment if I take them to the court. I've become their judge and their jury. Through that, God just dealt with me till I could get to that place. I didn't just come to that place. It didn't just happen. I didn't just say, okay, I forgive them. I went through... It was, God took me through every, it, first it was uncontrollable weeping, dealing with the emotions of it that I had not dealt with from the age 10 till, till uh, six years ago, seven years now, or five years, six years, whatever it is. But anyway, it was a process that God had to take me through. And I told her, I said, it's not going to, it's not going to happen overnight, but what I am going to tell you is through the ghost. You'll get up every morning and you'll be able to look at what has happened to you and say, God, I give it back to you. You're going to use this. And I told her, I said, you're going to use it for a testimony. God's going to take that thing that happened to you, that assault that happened to you, and he's going to use it to, for you to witness the la young ladies and ladies that have been raped and molested by their own parents. I said, there's a ministry for you. But you've got to get the Holy Ghost. Satan will tell you that you can't pray this Monday because you don't. You didn't pray last Monday. Satan will tell you since we didn't have prayer Friday night, you're all out of kilter. And we won't have prayer this Friday night. The devil will keep telling you, you know, 
you're going to backslide. You haven't been in church enough. It's a lie. It's a lie. If you keep your focus on the Word of God and you pray and seek the face of God, God, listen, the church is not what, this building is not what saves me. My relationship with Him is what keeps me and saves me. Amen. This is a place we get equipped and empowered to go back into, the work, uh, into our daily life so that we can be ready to work through the Monday through Saturday day. Amen. To be the salt and the light. You can start today. Today is a new beginning. Forget about your failures. Forget about the disappointments and the mistakes you've made. What we need to do is begin to seek the face of God and pray like we've never prayed before. This new year, we need the Lord more than we've ever needed Him before. I, 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 let me say this. You don't even have to say it. I'll say it. I need the Lord more going into this year than I've ever needed him before. If the devil attacks my mind, I know he's attacking your mind. If the devil can distract you, and believe me, there are distractions all around me. I don't know about you, but I got distractions all around me that are trying to distract my walk trying to distract my prayer, trying to distract my reading the word. I'm thankful for, I, I sent Brother Johnson, I don't know if he got my email, um, right before the first of the year, uh, God allowed me to finish my uh, reading through the Bible for the year. I sent him an email, and I sent him proof that I had read through the Bible. And I thanked him for being my accountability because I know I got to, I know at some point he's going to go, these are the folks that read through the Bible last year. And I don't want to be one of those ones that he doesn't go, don't call my name. I thank him for being accountable and holding me accountable to read the Bible. I thank him for that. I, that's what I wrote in my email to him. I, I sent him an email. I said, I want to thank you for being my, keeping me accountable to read the word of God. You know why? Because in that is life. In that is what convicts me when I'm not where I need to be. And I'll, I, if anybody can get busy and caught up in this world and caught up in things, I can get busy and not read the Word. Not pray. I get to thinking about my grands. I get to thinking about everything else around me. I, I, Mom and dad taking care of bishop and senior first lady, taking care of the house, taking care of things for them. All that stuff. All that stuff, right? Get caught up in all that stuff. And not have a time for prayer. I want you to know today is a new day for you. It's a new beginning. I'm going to say this. It's a new day for the church. The church is moving forward, and we are going to see great things this year. Sunday school is going to kick back in. We're going to have a leadership meeting, and we're going to have Sunday school. When we kick it off, it'll be from 930 to 1030, going back to an hour of Sunday school so that the children can have an hour, the adults have an hour. We're going to get back into the swing of things. We're going to start outreach. 
My wife and I have already committed. If no one else goes, we're going to take the van and we're going knocking doors in the apartments. We're going to go back into the, the community. We're going to do what the church is supposed to do. We're going to go reach the children because if we reach the children, the children will go home and by the grace of God, the children will reach their parents. Because it's a new day, a new beginning. Hallelujah. Well, let's worship. If, if you want to just come and pray to the Lord, just talk to the Lord. I'm opening the altar right now. Maybe, maybe you just want to talk to the Lord about a new beginning. Maybe you want to talk to the Lord about how last year went and how this year is going. And you want this year to be different than last year. Maybe, maybe you just want some help with cigarettes. Maybe you want some help with alcohol. Maybe you, maybe you just want to start baby steps and say, God, I need you to help me in this area of my life. I need you to help me in this area of my life. I just need a little, I need you, Lord. I, I need you in my life today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want my husband saved. I want my children saved. I want, I want my grandchildren to be raised in the house of God. I want to see. Lord, I lay all my sins before you, Lord God. I know there are the accusers there, but you are my Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, I found joy. Touch our families, oh God. Touch our family, Lord. Touch our families, oh God. Touch all our families, oh God. Touch the church, Lord God. Touch the church family, oh God. Move and intervene in the church family, Lord God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.
Hallelujah, there's no time to turn back now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God, glory be to God, hallelujah.
come on, I'm never going back. Yes, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we honor you and praise you. I can't encourage you enough that in these last days that we're living, whatever they are, I encourage you to get a place prepared 